Welcome back to Sermon Notes. Michael here alongside Mickey Rapier. Mickey, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be Glad here. Glad to have you. Yeah, so Mickey's our directional leader at Fellowship, and so, Mickey, that means that you teach at all of our campuses and congregations. I get the privilege of doing that. Yeah, so do you wake up on Sunday morning and look at your phone to see what church you're supposed to be at that day? It's color-coded on my calendar. <laughs> there you go. It really yeah, is. Well, color-coded. We're, we're glad you're going to be with and us what, as we continue. Guess what color oh, go ahead. is? Purple. Purple. It absolutely. Oh, you know it. <laughs> Love it. No offense to all you non-FHS folks who listen to sermon notes. Hey, and I want to hey, uh, give compliment to Caleb Whitsett. I'm I'm recording this in Rogers today, and you're in Fayetteville, and he has us yeah. connected in two different podcast studios. Caleb looks very satisfied right now as I look across. <laughs> thank you, Caleb. It's yes, all working. Thank you. you made it happen. <laughs> Uh, living in the 21st century. Wow. So what we've seen as we've looked at the book of 1 Peter so far is Peter is writing to a group of churches in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and he calls them elect exiles. And we spent a lot of time over these last or these first couple of weeks talking about what it means to be both chosen by God but also displaced. It seems like Peter doesn't expect um, these people, these followers of Jesus in these early churches to completely assimilate with their culture. They look a little bit different. And last week, uh, Garland walked us through as he he talked about how it's because of the blood of Christ um, that we're part of this this new family. And he's really going to open that up, Mickey, as we move into chapter two. Just give us kind of an overview of what Peter tells us about ourselves as we look at the second chapter. Yeah, you know, it's interesting interesting to me that uh, Peter doesn't let him off the hook. Uh, He is telling them, even though they are living under persecution. Now, it's it's not legalized persecution quite yet, uh, but they are living in a pagan society. They're hostile to Christians, but Peter still tells them, be holy. Be holy to live it out in front of these people. And uh, uh, as he gets into this, uh, after telling them to be holy in all that you do, uh, he starts telling them how to do it that you got to get rid of all malice, you know, which is malice is to desire to, to harm someone. So if they were living as exiles and they were under persecution, you know, the natural desire for them would probably be to hit back. Right. Uh, Keller says, you kill us and we don't kill you back. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, to get rid of malice, to get rid of deceit, misleading someone, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And so he's telling them, that you can't be holy and do those things. And so in this next section, he's telling them how to get it done and to be like newborn babies. He's not calling them babies. He's saying like a newborn babies, you crave that spiritual milk so that they can grow up in their salvation. Yeah, that's good. We know that a newborn baby only wants one thing, right? A newborn baby's not like, should I have chicken or steak? No, they... They know the milk that sustains them. That's all they desire. That's it. I got a call from my wife uh, this morning, and and uh, she said our five-month-old, who, uh, bless her heart, she was at Children's the other night. She's had a virus and, and not been doing well, but uh, she's getting better now. And uh, uh, she said that the baby had woken up crying, and, and they thought, oh, here we go again. And she said, we gave her a bottle, and she was fine. That's all she wanted. 
She just right. wanted that bottle. She was craving that bottle, and she does whatever she can take, whatever she needs to do to scream or to, for them to see those tears rolling out of her eyes to say, this is what I got to have. And uh, I told my wife, look, she needs better care than what y'all are giving me. <laughs> <laughs> you better be careful. You don't know who's listening but to this. But they didn't invite me down to help out, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> So after he he gets us going there um, with the newborn uh, longing for pure spiritual milk, and then he starts talking about stones, and he starts pointing us to some Old Testament mm-hmm. passages. Where's where's he taking us here? Yeah, absolutely. He points out the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone. And I've heard some say, oh, this is talking about the keystone that you would find in an arch, you know, but no, here he's talking about the cornerstone. It just absolutely lines out the corners. The buildings are built with that cornerstone in place. And then he says that we are living stones. Jesus Christ is the living stone, but we are also living stones. And and I like to think of those living stones as we're also building blocks that he's using to build that spiritual house. And so uh, he's telling them that they have a significant opportunity to make a difference in the lives of the people around them by getting rid of, rid of all the malice, deceit, envy, all those things, and then become something, become a spiritual house that's going to make a difference in the lives of those people around them. You know, something that strikes me, as you mentioned, the cornerstone is as the stones that make up the building, our job's to get in line with that cornerstone. The cornerstone's perfectly set. Um, yep. So all the other stones have got to be in line with that stone if we're going to build a building that's that's what the Lord wants. Absolutely. He, he is our uh, plumb line. You know, we have to align with him. And it's, it's not, you know, here's the thing that we're facing right now. I mean, we're... we're <laughs> We're living as exiles in our own country right now in some respects because uh, right. there's a def- definite bias against Christianity among some groups. We can't filter the Bible through the lens of culture. We have to filter the culture through the Bible. I mean, that's that's our plumb line. And, and right. uh, another thing I see in here that uh, as he's talking to them about being those building blocks, those living stones – is that they have to work together. You know, they are stones being built together to form that house. And that's important for us as well. Man, you're starting to sound like me. The guys here all say I can preach community from any passage in the Bible. You were getting dangerously close there. <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's coming. But unity is definitely a theme, right, in First Peter. Like, he, he comes back over and over to this idea of us being yeah. unified. Absolutely, that we're a holy priesthood, a chosen people. That, that He doesn't use the word individual at all. He's talking about they uh, together are the ones who are these living stones, this chosen people, this royal priesthood. Okay, so I was waiting to get to that. What is he calling us to, Mickey? What does he mean when he tells us that we're a royal priesthood? He's talking to Gentile Christians, not to Jews. He's not talking about the priesthood of the Old Testament. What, what's he pointing us toward? Yeah. Every member ministry. Every member ministry. Each of us has a job to do. We all have our specific talents and our gifts that God uh, has given us in uh, whether that's holding babies 
or playing a keyboard or preaching from the platform or whatever ministry it might be, God has something for us to do. You know, our only frame of reference when we hear the word priest is somebody uh, who is uh, being the mediator between us and God. Well, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our mediator. And so that's that's not what he's talking about at all. And, and unfortunately, people get confused when they see this reference. Uh, he is talking about being that member of that body of believers in exile uh, who finds your niche and, you know, you just do it with all your might. You're a living stone, not a dead stone. Hmm. It's amazing how he pulls these two metaphors together. The, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, is the building that's being built of living stones. Yeah, yeah they are all together. Uh, uh, holy nation, um, uh, what does he say? Uh, chosen people, royal priesthood, uh, holy nation, God's special possession— you know, I love that. It, we were mm-hmm. we were bought at a price, and we belong to Him, and so we we have a responsibility to be the very best living stone we can possibly be, uh, the very best priest we can possibly be to the people around us. Yeah, and He actually gives us the why. It's the final verse of of your piece that that you'll be sharing with us. But once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes. Man, that's our that's our motivation, and that's what makes this whole thing possible. It was God who chose us and showed us mercy. Now the things we do, are, we're living out of just a grateful response, yeah. not to earn anything. For those who embrace universalism, I want to have a talk with them about this verse. You know. Hmm. <laughs> Because right. universalism would say, because Christ died, then everybody's going to heaven. But he's telling them here, uh, hey, once you didn't have it, now you do have that mercy. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve. Mercy is when we don't get what we really deserve. And God has yeah. given us mercy because we did not deserve salvation. Right. Man, that's so good. So one of the things that we like to do on Sermon Notes is um, we know that when we're preparing um, a message, especially with a passage as loaded as this one, there's going to be some things that don't make it into the sermon, and this is a great place to share some of those things. So um, for our Sermon Notes listeners, what, what would you like to have included if you had a little extra time on Sunday that maybe we could share with them here? Yeah, that extra time. I tell you, you know how it is. You're going through your notes. You look up at the countdown clock at the back that you said, hey, set it for this. And you think, oh, I'm not going to be able to get to that. (laughs) That's when you start cutting on the fly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But one of the things I wanted to point out is that in the first century, they feel like there were anywhere from a, a few hundred to maybe a couple of thousand Christians. And by the time, uh, that Constantine in the 4th century legalized Christianity, over 60% of the Roman Empire was Christian. They did their job. Wow. They made a difference in that culture uh, where 
you know, they were being ostracized. I mean, Nero came in and he legalized persecution against Christians, and they just kept doing the things that Paul had told them to do. I hope I get to that, but uh, as we're recording this before I teach it. But I tell you <laughs> right. what I really want to mention is I know that I can't do this because it's dangerous territory, and, and you and I have already talked about it a little bit. When we talk about every member ministry, we, we talk about that royal priesthood. Who are some of the people there in Fellowship Fayetteville that come to mind uh, when we think about people who have embraced every member ministry and they're giving their lives away for the cause of Christ? Yeah. You know, I think about Scott I mean, I, Davis and yeah, Aaron Marshall. I saw Scott, Scott was here. I'm, we're, I'm in Fellowship Fayetteville right now as we record this on Wednesday. Scott was here at 6 o'clock this morning. And Rob West, mm. Rob and Jessica West, that's another one. Uh, Rob was making coffee, and Scott was putting handouts out for a men's meeting they were going to have. Yeah. And so those are two guys fresh on my mind because we were together just this morning. Uh, you know, and, and Scott always says he's on staff. He just doesn't get paid for it. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. That's how he views it. And Aaron as well, those those two guys. And, and so many on our staff started out as volunteers, and mm-hmm. they just gave their lives away to the point that we said, you know what, we, we've got to have this. It's got to be a part of, of who we are. And uh, yeah, I know that, I ran into one of those people this morning, Mary Beth Simpson. Yeah, um, yeah, so involved in our women's ministry that eventually we said, "Can we buy a little more of your time so that you can really focus on this?" Yeah. And she was sharing with me about what's going on on the Tuesday study and the Tuesday night women's study. And uh, she's a great example of somebody who was doing. She was a volunteer doing ministry because she believed exactly what we're talking about, and now she's a part-time staff person. Gretchen Friesen. Gretchen Friesen does such an incredible job with our children down there and how organized things are. And I remember when we first opened Fellowship Fayetteville, um, I went down there one day, and that whole end of the building smelled like bleach. And I wondered, what is going on? And Gretchen was down there by herself, and she was sanitizing everything those children were going to touch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of dedication and commitment. So those parents had the confidence when they walked in that room. And that's the hands and feet of Jesus and the lives of other people. I think about all those instrumentalists on the platform every week uh, using their gifts and talents. And and people don't know that they show up for a rehearsal during the week and then they, they show up, you know, an hour and a half early. You know, on Sunday mornings, just to rehearse and just to prepare for that. I think about those college students. You know, when I asked you guys uh, about uh, the college students, you know, what what is the issue here with the parking and all that? And you say, well, the college students are coming and serving in the learning center. Uh, that that's incredible. That's incredible. I didn't do that when I was in college. Right. You know, no, I wish I had had the heart that they do. I know. I know. Oh, that's good, Mickey. And I, I almost feel bad start naming people because I know we're leaving oh, so know. many people out. I know. But we do have a culture here that has really embraced priesthood of the believer, every member ministry, yeah. people taking responsibility um, for for being spiritual leaders in their sphere of influence, whether that's in their home, their school, their neighborhood, their workplace, and it's super encouraging. Yeah, yeah. It is, you know, and, and uh, I'm going to name some more people here. I'm thinking of more. Think about those of those who work out in the parking lot, you yes. know, and whether it's raining or whether it's snowing or whatever, whatever they're doing, those that stand at the door. You all do such a great job with your greeters and the people who are making coffee, and it feels like such a welcome place to enter uh, when you come to worship. And then uh, our heroes, every small group leader that you have, 
Yep. They they are the heroes, and they're out there pastoring people uh, who who need a shepherd. Yep, and that's every community group, men's group, women's group, CR Step Study, Student Cell Group, Fayette Kids, on-campus small group leaders, all of them are what's making this whole thing work. Oh, those host homes where the kids meet. You know, I, yeah. I used to have to turn the trampoline upside down when all those boys would come to my house, you know. <laughs> uh, they, they just give so much of themselves. And that's what this passage is talking about. And when we look at history, we see what a difference it made in the Roman Empire. Right. And could make again in northwest Arkansas in the 21st century? Am I stretching it there? Nope. That's what we're called to do. And you know what? Yeah. There's such a tendency, and I hear of so many people. I heard of so many pastors that through COVID, through all the uh, dissension that happened in our country, they just quit. They just couldn't take it anymore. There, there was so much division and dissension. And... Uh, you know, I, I just admire the people who are hanging in there and say, you know, we're not quitting. The Lord the Lord has got something for us to do here, and we're just going to keep plugging away at it. And uh, yeah. he makes the difference. Yeah. And that's good, Mickey. Well, I'm excited to hear your message, and I'm excited for the conversations that are going to happen in our community groups. And as people gather with their Bibles open to just talk about this, I want to remind everybody, we've got lots of resources on our website um, where you can uh, get get more insight into the passage, a discussion guide. And also, um, if this conversation that we've been having has, if you felt the Holy Spirit nudge you, that maybe you need to be serving somewhere, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. You can talk to any ministry leader in the area where you think you might like to serve, whether that's early childhood or the parking lot, as Mickey mentioned, the foyer on Sunday morning. If you're interested in leading in small groups, I'll be at the community booth on Sunday, Lord willing. I'd love to talk to you about that. But until then, I hope your time in God's Word is fruitful, and we'll see you next time on Sermon Notes. Blessings.